Hey there, Valerie Morris here, and I'm really excited to have my friend John Cook uh, from Keynote Content share with us today. I've known John for many years, and um, I've seen him evolve his business in so many ways and also see him pivot his business to adapt with um, even before the pandemic, but just pivot to fit his market and to fit what people really needed. And so I, I'm really excited to have him share with us a little bit today. John, um, why don't you fill in the gaps? What did I miss? What do people need to know about you? Yeah, so uh, thanks for the, the opportunity, Valor. It's great to be able to, well, just catch up in person. We were catching up before this and just and talking about like, hey, you're a new mom and just life and um, you know, um, just talking about the the grittiness of the non-entrepreneur parts of life is like hey it's the parenting it's the life it's trying to figure out this whole you know um a full life and it's still during a pandemic and and so the last year specifically working with a ton of speakers coaches consultants that uh, um, trainers podcasters youtubers people i call like these industry experts um largely have been focused on like how do they keep growing that impact with limitations of a pandemic and for me i'm going like really a lot of people are saying like, I don't know what to do next. And so that's, that's what I'm really focusing on. It's like really helping people figure out what does that next step look like? And also a lot of people saying like, I feel like I can't quite be me because mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about where my business is heading for 2021 and beyond. So like there's some really interesting, um, some very tough conversations, but really, really valuable conversations that people need to lean into more. That's what I've been focusing on lately. And, and you help people really craft their story and tell mm -hmm. it well. Now, and, and I know that the medium kind of is different, whether it's a website or it's email or it's social media or it's up on a stage. Um, but, you know, you really help people pull their story together. So I can imagine that that would be really hard when people don't really know what their story is. How are you, how are you helping people navigate that right now? Yeah, and for a big emphasis that we do is the messaging development, but also is the the copywriting and then content creation. So kind of these three areas that are very much intertwined. People are kind of saying like, "Hey, can you create the sales copy for this for this online course?" I'm going like, "Okay, cool. Do you like your online course? Do you like your membership page? Do you like?" And this and it gets into the deeper conversation. People saying this uncertainty of saying, I liked it before the pandemic. And I kind of made like this mad dash pivot, like we all did, you know, in March, April, May of 2020, but then saying, I don't know if that is still right for me. I don't know. And so really it's going to like, what worked for me in 2019 didn't really work for 2020, but 2020, does that actually even work for 2021, 2022? And it's opening up some really important conversations because they're saying like, well, we did all this work, to make these changes, sure. now what? Yeah. Now what? Like a lot of uncertainty and people saying like, you've got to tackle those questions or it's going to continue being just like this, this holding pattern of going like, are we doing this right? Are we doing this? Are we okay? Is this working? Yeah. Now, do you think it's okay to have some of that uncertainty right now? Or do you think that people need to have that defined right now? Like, do you think somebody could present themselves as that industry leader and say like, look, I'm, I'm working through this I'm, and be really transparent about the process of like, hey, we're trying to figure out what do people need or do they, or do you think it's better that people have that kind of figured out, even if behind the scenes, they're still figuring it out, but public facing, it comes across as they know who they're going to be. I'll do the cop-out answer of yes to both. 
Okay. And what that looks like is people saying, I, there's, there's tremendous value in appropriate transparency. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. people saying, I don't know, especially as an industry expert, like they're not paying you to have all the answers. They are paying you to have the insight and ask the questions that they don't know to ask right now. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And part of that includes going, nobody really knows what this pandemic thing is going to look like. Like for me, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, of the Olympics. I, and I was, I was pretty bummed that it was postponed from last, you know, last August right. to this August. Cool. Great. But now they're saying like, well, we might not even have a 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. That might get kicked to next year. I'm like two Olympics, same year. Oh yes. <laughs> but it's a little bit of a silly example that bring it into the context of going, while we may not know exactly what's coming next, we can yeah. afford to be uncertain, but we cannot afford to be unclear. Mm, I like that. And the lack of clarity about the questions we're asking, you know, if you don't know the answers to the questions, I would rather know, are we asking the right questions, even if we don't have the answers just yet? Mm-hmm. And how you present that self, whether it's on a webinar, whether it's a, in a, um, a uh, kind of a sales conversation with a prospective client or whatever it might be. It's going, here's what I know to be true. And here's what I know a lot of other clients, maybe even yourself are asking about. Does that sound familiar? Because yeah. if you're asking that, that's good because at least you're asking the questions. Even if you don't have the right answers right now, we can figure out the, the answers or even the questions moving forward. But here are what we're really aiming for. We're aiming for like, you want to make an impact. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're optimizing this opportunity, but also saying like, does this align with your values? Your values largely haven't changed throughout this pandemic. You might've revisited and reclaimed and reorganized some of those values or priorities, but it's going like, do you still want to help people? Yes. Do you still want to make a difference? Yes. Do you want to create a a profitable, meaningful business that's changing the world? Yes. Okay. The industry may not matter. The audience may not matter. The way in which you communicate, it's like, well, I went from YouTube. Now I'm all in on LinkedIn. Okay. The, the medium may not matter, but does the message matter? That's great. And as long as that stays in, intact, again, you can afford to be uncertain about what that even looks like, yeah. the actual expression of that, but going, but the intent behind that, if that stays solid, you can pivot any time you want. That's great. So, I mean, you do this, you're doing this, you're having these conversations with your mm-hmm. clients but how have you personally been innovating as, you know, even before the pandemic, you know, are there certain things that you've done pre pre COVID during COVID things that are, are on your radar that you've done to innovate, to stay relevant to your network? Sure. Well, and that's the way I like to approach things. I like to fail spec- spectacularly at least one thing a month. Okay. Where it's like, even if whether it's like, hey, I know how to do it, but I tried something new and boy, that just flopped. Okay. And I will cool. just, I will just reinforce that I have seen you try many, many things. I don't know how successful they all have been, mm-hmm. but I can attest that I have seen you try things. So yeah. I, I believe that. Yeah. And, and part of those things, like, I won't say her name because, you know, but A-L-E-X-A, what not, doing flash briefings and getting those on different devices, whether it's, you know, the, the dots or the echoes or whatever it might be going like, hey, there's a there's an opportunity for that. Yeah. And tried it out and had some good traction, but I found like, like, hey, hit some obstacles where I'm going, it, it didn't seem to have the market, um, the market potential. Okay, cool. What does that look like? Well, I got out of that. 
And I told the clients that were that in with me, it's like, hey, we got some got some good momentum. We got some business, but it didn't hit expectations. Cool. Let's get rid of that. And let's see what, what the next thing is. So like for me, just in the last year, as soon as lockdown happened, boom, I started really, um, really leveraging. Uh, there are some things I've been working on for about three or four months from like a content creation, really a content sure. magnifier system, as it were, and trying to get that out. I call it a message magnifier system saying like, hey, how do you create content and, and have it on this omni-channel experience? So it's like, so it's YouTube, it's LinkedIn, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, whatnot. And part of what I did is that, okay, as soon as lockdown happened, I said, we're going to launch this. It's the, it's the, it's the ugly draft version of this, but it's something. Yeah. And so it was me sitting at my desk and I was a whiteboard, didn't have the right camera in place, didn't have the right lighting. I'm like, okay, that's fine, but I'm doing something and I'm sure. getting good content out there. Yeah. And so it's the, I love the concept from Ira Glass. And he talks about this idea of when you start as an artist, you have this idea like, I, like, I, I want to be an artist. And so you start into an artist and you make your first painting and it's not very good, but you know, it's not very good yeah. because even if you don't have the skill, you have taste. Mm. And so like, I know what something looks like that I really appreciate, even if I cannot produce that art that reaches that, that, wow. that satiation point of, of, of my taste. And so with getting content out there, I'm going like, whether it's content, whether it's ideas, whether it's services, it's going, I'm getting stuff out there. I'm trying things, not blindly. It's like, oh, well, let's try this. But suddenly like, I've heard about this. I want to try this for myself. And if it works well for me, then let's roll it out to our clients, like an inner you know, circle, like, hey, the, the, the test, um, yeah. I used to call them the cook canary group. Okay. Because it's like the yellow canary down the mine shaft. I'm like, let's get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> and um I didn't come up with that term. That's, you know, sure, one of my sure. clients uh, said, I was like, okay. And I just went with it. And I was like, you know what? Let's get with another term. But this whole point is like having people who are willing to, to get messy and try and say like, can we put something out there that we can spectacularly fail at or spectacularly succeed at together? And what does that look like? And um, so for me, like went all in with, with YouTube. So I was creating two or three, you know, YouTube videos a week. I was creating, um, uh, revitalized my podcast, got out. I was like, I want to go all in from a content standpoint and rebuilt my, um, my proprietary process, rebuilt um, the framework for my um, course and community, which is now kind of evolving into uh, a membership um, and, and getting that where it's like, let's, let's see, this is an amazing opportunity, amazing window to say, if we had a reset, what does that even look like? Yeah. That's great. You know, as you were answers, talking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, as you were talking about that, it made me remember um, uh, Chris, Chris Kremitzos. That's quite a mouth, mouthful. Um, he started PodFest um, and yeah. runs that event. And he, uh, I don't know, in the last two years, and I'll just say last two years, because I feel like the whole year of COVID that we've had so far felt like a black hole we've all been living in, but yeah, longest um, decade of my life. No. Yeah. Okay. So sometime in the last year and a half, two years, he relaunched a book called start ugly. Mm. And I just, I love that because, and I just love that concept and, and similar to what you've just been saying of it's so much, there's so much value in just getting stuff out there. Yep. And so many times people, they just, they let perfection hinder their progress yeah. and it really 
I mean, it can slow you down so much to the point where you're overanalyzing every little thing. Nobody ever gets a chance to hear about your brand because yeah. you're obsessing about it behind the scenes. Yeah. So um, I love that you are willing to just fail at something, whether yeah. it's small or big or whatever, but you're at least out doing things. And I think realizing that you can always perfect something mm -hmm. later on. You can always yeah. go back and re-record those videos in a fancy studio with the right sure. lighting and all the right sound and fancy graphics and whatever. Yeah. Or you can keep using those authentic ones. And sometimes people appreciate the authenticity with yeah. its flaws and whatever just as much uh, because yeah. they know that it's it's the real deal. So yeah. well, I, I really appreciate that about what you just said. Yeah, and then if I, if I can add to your points and like the, the quality, um, I love, I love the opportunity that a troll comment can mm -hmm. present, which seems antithetical. Like, it seems like, like, why would somebody love a, a troll comment? Because it lets me know there's the envy of, I wish I had the guts to do what you've done. Mm -hmm. And somebody posts me like, Hey, your videos look so homemade. And it occurred to me, it's like, yeah, but mine are made. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I love the fact that like, hey, and this was early on, this is not, I mean, I have, I have different camera setting, I have different lighting, and I, you know, hey, it's kind of more of a studio setup now um, in another part of our house. But but what that means, and for a lot of people are saying, I know I want to get my message out there, but I'm so afraid that it won't be received well, Yeah. that I won't do it right. Yeah. And that's, that's stifling on your potential. It really puts just a cap on who you could be. And I love, I haven't read that book yet, you know, but start ugly, but that, now it's on, now it's on my, my audible on list, list as right? well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's one of the things when it comes to like podcasting, especially people, you know, honestly, any industry or any type of content, you know, you see these people who hit like bestseller status, or they've got this podcast with you know, thousands of guests and it's highly ranked and it's got all these reviews yep. and all this stuff. And you're like, but they're how far down the path they started mm -hmm. how long ago? And yeah. you, you might be at the starting block and you can't judge that journey yeah. based on where somebody's at way long further ahead than you. So yeah, um, it's, it's a lesson. I think we all have to remember. Um, but I yeah. think yeah, I love that you're just, you're willing to try some of that and get it going. So, um, so yeah. Um, all right. So you've tried a lot of things. Are there any things that, you know, you've learned from some of the failures <laughs> or how many things have you learned from the failures? <laughs> it's like, well, like what haven't I learned from my failures? Like, like, um, what I like just kind of from a premise belief is like that the pinnacle of success is really because you stacked failures on top of each other mm. and um, this is the first time i've ever said that but i'm sure other people have you know similar concept in place but what i learned is is more about myself than about the actual outcome of yeah. something like the flash briefings what i learned is um, for me, I, I never loved, really loved how my voice sounded on recording. You know, it's like, oh, my, my, it's, yeah. it's too- Don't we uh, all hate that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> nobody, like, very few people, like, except people like NFL on Fox. Like, right. Okay, so, I mean, like, yeah, but you love your voice because, like, that's, that's what you get paid for. But part of that is saying, having the confidence to go, 
I want to focus more on content, like for the flash briefings. I was more concerned about the, you know, how do I sound and is the editing is whatnot. I'm going like, and saying like, oh, and the content needs to be good. And really what for me, the reminder was you can have lousy production and it can be, and, and great content will outshine lousy production. I mean, there's a tipping yeah. point where it's like, yeah. hey, your microphone has this constant buzz or hey, the lighting's awful. Or it's like, you know, you, know, you got something in your teeth. How long has that been there? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Getting past that by saying like, if you have at least a baseline decent production side of things, your content will always outshine sub-quality, sub-quality production. Right. That's one of the things I've learned. Another thing is going, there's this idea of content fatigue where mm -hmm. people say, I have to be constantly putting content out there. And I came across really, I saw this when I was making spaghetti uh, a while back. It's going like that boiling point of getting the water yeah, to be able to make the pasta saying you need that 212 degrees Fahrenheit or hundred degrees Celsius. And part of saying like, if I want to make pasta, anything above that 212 degrees is wasted energy. Yeah. And so taking that concept and bringing it into like from your audience standpoint, just because you can put out a podcast episode every week doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be reached a greater boiling point with your audience or greater sure. impact. And in fact, it would, might actually um, fatigue your audience's content interest because they're going, I just can't keep up with all your podcast episodes or I can't keep much. up with our YouTube. I'm going, what is that minimum viable content that reaches the true boiling point for my audience? And how do I know that I'm there? And yeah. how do I know if I'm not there yet? Yeah, that's great. I love that, that concept because it is true. And maybe it's just because I'm in marketing that I consume a lot of content. Sure. I get content fatigue myself. Yeah. Um, and so it is something that I've been a little bit more aware of is, gosh, am I doing this to other people or how much are other people experiencing this that don't live in the marketing space all day long? You know, sure. they're consuming different sure. types of content. So do they feel this or is it just me because I'm in this industry? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I can share a couple more things that I've learned, like from my spectacular failures, if you'd like yeah. um, this idea of, and we are talked about like content fatigue, but this idea of pixel fatigue and pixel fatigue, as I found is like, we are constantly on these earbuds or, you know, AirPods, or we're constantly hearing something or watching something. And it's going, how can we reach learning styles? All four learning styles, you have the yep. audio, the video, the kinetic, you have the, you know, reading, writing, so kind of those four main uh, learning styles. But part of that is so like, how do we show up with really good content that is in a way that people aren't regularly consuming. Mm -hmm. So it goes like, people are used to saying like, oh, I just put in podcasts and I listen, but they're doing other things. Right. Like, oh, I do it when I'm walking. I'm doing what, you know, I'm working out or whatever. So automatically you have some attention atrophy yep. for somebody that's trying to consume a podcast episode of yours and they're trying to work out or do the dishes or walk, walk the dog or you know, take the kids for sure. a walk or it might be or the park. And part of that includes if I have them reading content, it's much higher to 100% attention yep. because they're focusing on the words. They want to consume the words. So really saying I can put out content where people are saying like, hey, it's an audio video. Yeah, absolutely. Still keep creating that content, but really revaluing. And of course, all things in marketing is almost like cyclical. It's like coming back sure. to more of that long form written content 
where people say this is a masterful piece of content because um, it, I took the time to actually treat it like it's an article and not some blog post. It was like, hey, here's 300 words. Like, put it on. Like, no, here's 1,500 to 2,000 words, whatnot, where yeah. it's going to be maybe the same amount of time as consuming a 10 to 15 minute podcast episode. Right. But I know I have closer to 100% attention for you. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how the written word like continues to be a, a solid thing we all keep coming back to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so th- that's, that's another lesson. Um, what I also see is people saying, I want to know more about core topics. Yeah. And what, when I finish a piece of content, I don't necessarily want to, to take a next step that's beneficial for you, but what's a next step that's beneficial for me. People mm-hmm. say, well, wait a second. That's not the whole point of marketing. You give me this, this action plan, this checklist, this worksheet, this quiz, this assessment, blah, 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 blah whatever it might be. Video series like, yeah, but that's still asking something from them before. Like, can I give you in this, in, in really that law of reciprocity, like, I want to not just give you, Hey, here's a blog article and here's a video, but going like, but here's also another article or another video that's related to what you were just worried about. So it's truly creating that content context yeah. where people are saying, I'm not just getting my questions answered about this, but when I finish that article, I also have questions about something else you mentioned in that article saying if you love this article you probably have a question about this right. like hey let's talk about hey if you're about meal planning if you read this like hey here's how to do meal planning for you know for a new mom um let's go like hey here's how to do meal planning for new parents on vacation yeah and so it's very related is very related but it also is going like yeah this is all great but what happens in two weeks when we're heading to cabo or heading to disney world right. i want to stay on track right now what yeah it's it's giving people a little bit more and it's and it's giving it's just going back to that whole concept is just like giving more than you're expecting yeah. which i think is a timeless kind of marketing tactic that we've oh. all seen over the years yeah. So, so John, if you were to give someone like one or two things that they could do right now, when, after they listen to this interview, that would help them get a quick win, what would you tell them to do? One of the first things I would tell you to do is be okay with where you are right now. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that I've so many different clients, especially last year is going, I'm not pivoting fast enough. I don't have this figured out yet. I'm behind, behind according to whom. Right. And it's almost seems like it would be the opposite of what people say like, no, no, show me something to do next. What I'm telling you to do next is to not necessarily have to do something next, but to be in your space and say, why did I get, why did I launch my coaching business? Why did I launch as a service provider? Why did I get into this? And it's going like, if you're not happy, if you're not excited about your work, be honest about it. Yeah. What 2020 really, I feel, um, opened up our eyes for so much of us is that we have been constantly chasing this next big thing. Mm. And that a lot of pivots and this I was telling to, to many clients last year, it's like, just because you can pivot doesn't mean you should or that you have to. Mm-hmm. Maybe, your, um, maybe your business is already set up exactly where it needs to be. And in six weeks from now, you're going to be absolutely slammed because people re- realize you're who I've really, really needed over the last five years. And I didn't realize that need until now we're in a pandemic. Right. Like, so in my situation, 
somebody came to me and was like, hey, so John, like that online marketing uh, strategy put together two years ago that I said no to, were you serious about that? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's why no I offline marketing right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's great. Um, that quote is actually one of my favorite quotes that I think about all the time of just, just because I can doesn't mean I should. And I keep, t- I, I'm a person that's very easy for me to just dive into more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to say no to things, partly because I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy people. I enjoy projects. I enjoy learning, but it's really hard for me to say, no, I can't, you know, and, and, and set those boundaries. And I have honestly, with all, and this is like not discounting all the pain and hardship that has happened as a result of COVID, but I am very grateful for kind of the giant reset button that that has allowed us of saying, you know, these were some of my priorities time-wise or commitment-wise, or even just personal goal-wise prior to COVID. But because everything had this giant pause button on it, it's allowed me to say, no, I'm not gonna go participate in XYZ anymore. I'm going to reclaim my evenings for my family. I'm going to reclaim the concept of having nothing to do on a weekend, you know, or I'm gonna reclaim the, the concept that it's okay for my business to not coast in a lazy way, but coast in a way that I'm gonna be okay with where I'm at now. And that I don't always have to be doing the, the giant spike of growth yeah. or have that as a goal. I can have, yeah this goal of just being healthy where I'm at and serving my clients well, you know? And so I just yeah. really appreciated the, the giant reset. Um, my biggest hope is that I personally, and I hope for other people too, but that I personally can keep some of those boundaries in place once things kind of start to go back yeah. more to what it was before. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and a great book is boundaries by Dr. Henry cloud. Yeah, that's when I recommend to to many clients, not because they're you're violating any boundaries with me, but it's it's one where I'm like they share about like oh my business partner's this or my you know uh, my my you know coach is saying this 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 I'm going like let me send you a book yeah. <laughs> like I mail off a copy uh, a concept that I, for somebody who's going like hey what do I do right now what especially in the last you know last really in the last year I tell people. I'm a big baseball fan. And what I tell people, go for base hits and not always home runs. Mm, I like that. Everything that you do doesn't have to be this amazing, like, oh my gosh, this huge success. But what does a 5% success look like? What is a yeah. 10%? It doesn't have to be this 100%. So like, oh, we did a seven-figure launch. Six-figure launch is okay too. Yeah. And people are like, well, wait a second. You're lowering the expectations. Like, well, who set the expectations in the first place? And right. were those healthy expectations to begin with? And getting a lot of the shootisms and a lot of the, oh, I, 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 I feel like I'm this FOMO idea, getting rid of that and saying like, but what is right for you? Yeah. How do you know I can really serve people well? Like if I know I can show up, like I don't have to have a YouTube channel and be posting you on don't LinkedIn have to be and do a podcast. And it's like, absolutely. But I'm going like, but if I know that I can really do YouTube well, that's my base hit. And if yeah. I can base hit every day, I can win a lot of championships that way. I love that analogy. I love that analogy. On that note, I will encourage all of us to go figure out what our next base hit is for us personally today. Um, and John, if people want to get more from you, where can they find you? It's just keynote content, right? You're, you're out there on yep. a lot of the social platforms. And if they can't find you, it's because you've focused your attention elsewhere, right? <laughs> Correct. Well, I'm like, 
I still have try to have presence across all the platforms, but I've, I even had where it's like, I'm not that active on Twitter. Just, it's just not my thing as far as like for business, but it's going, but I tell you what, you go to YouTube, you'll find me. You'll find me. Um, same thing with Instagram. I'm not really on Instagram because that's not really where my crowd lives that I like to focus on. Yep. Um, like I work with many people who are financial advisors. Okay. You're not going to hire a financial advisor off of an Instagram filter. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. I tell people like, find me on social media, keynote content, and uh, guarantee we can connect and start a conversation. That's great. Well, and we'll have all the links to your main social media platforms and your website on the show notes for this episode. So um, people can easily find John and, and learn a little bit more about just the concept of telling your story well, telling your story authentically, and um, getting very clear with your message. So, If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.